Hey, Turning Tables fans, you've written in and begged us, and we're answering the call. Huey, what's on the docket this week? Well, Clark, we heard from an impossible number of listeners out there who wanted to hear our thoughts on the unlikeliest success story of the 20th century, Mr. Phil Collins. That's right, Huey. Now, wait, what do you mean, the unlikeliest? I won't deny Collins had a certain working-class appeal, but he was no matinee idol. And playing drums in a prog rock band is no signpost you're on your way to the cover of Rolling Stone. That's all <laughs> fair enough. But 150 million records sold as a solo artist. Yeah, I know, I know. Look, Collins has been beaten within an inch of his life by the press and Noel Gallagher on both sides of the Atlantic for decades, and I'm not interested in dogpiling. I'm with you there, Huey. But you said before we started taping you wanted to take a critical look at Collins the songwriter. That's right. As a solo artist and the main post-Peter Gabriel lyricist in Genesis, no matter how many millions of units were shifted, it bears looking into. And it was dangerous work, too, more so than that time I operated the backhoe on half a bottle of Ambien. But I listened to a lot of Phil's output, so I could come to this discussion prepared. We appreciate your service. And Clark, it behooves me to ask, was Phil Collins ever in a life-threatening accident? Was he maybe badly hurt in battle? What? Well, no, I don't think so. Why would you think he... Certain themes keep recurring in his lyrics, Clark. I'm worried about the guy. Themes? Yeah, if you take his work on the whole, it seems to represent the anguished inner workings of a barely articulate man who has genuine issues connecting with other human beings. Are you suggesting Phil Collins is a sociopath? Oh, no, sir. That would be a cheap shot. But what do we make of these lyrics? I got some money in my pocket. I don't remember where I got it. From tonight, tonight, tonight. Huh. I don't know if you know who I am. From in the air tonight. It's like we never knew each other at all. From in too deep. Well, that's... You're the only one who really knew me at all. From against all odds. Hmm. Now she don't even know my name. From Sue Studio. <sighs> it sounds to me like the man was hit by a flounder and hard. This is tenuous, Huey. You're cherry-picking from a vast catalog of hits These were all big hits, Clark, on the radio constantly between 80 and 86, and they've never gone away since. So he goes to the same well a few too many times. Ah! I grant you, Clark, we're talking pop music here. The idiom is designed for simple rhymes and repetition. The overuse of tropes like love and heart and baby, it's well documented. But even these come off like Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart when you uncover Phil Collins' pet. What would that be? All. What? All. Is something stuck in your throat? Should we stop, Tate? Oh, you mook. My research reveals that Collins' big crutch as a songwriter is the three-letter word all. Oh, all. Yeah. I see. He uses it again and again. Listen.
That, that is remarkable. Yeah, man. But what does it mean, Huey? Any theories? I've been working on something, yeah, yeah. Well, don't stop now. Well, the big knock on Collins has always been that he appeals to the lowest common denominator. He has his proponents, of course, but the critics who slam him use words like vapid, banal, pablum. They doubt his sincerity. He rhymes words and offers little snippets of narrative, but keeps everything so unspecific and impersonal that it reaches the widest possible target without revealing anything of the artist himself. It is, ironically, a body of work heavily indebted to soul music, and yet created with a seemingly soulless approach. Gee, but what about the all? Right. It's the key. Collins goes back to this guttural monosyllabic time and again, not only because it's a useful device, it's not unpleasant to the ear, it's easy to sing, and it's nice and short, so it can fill in any gaps the writer has in the meter of a line, but also because it taps into his point of view, where he's coming from as an artist. And where is that? No one knows! And that's how he wants it. You don't look to a Phil Collins number for autobiographic detail. So it's telling that the word in question is all. Collins wants to reach every last one of us, all of us, with his smooth, inoffensive offerings. It's an artistic approach opposite the notion that we make something more universal by being more specific. Like what? Springsteen? The Clash? Peter Gabriel? You can find good examples there, sure, sure. But I don't even want to trot out the Gabriel Collins comparisons. Uh, no, no, of course not. But I will add, when I make the sound all, I find my head tilting up slightly as my throat opens and my tongue rises to tap the roof of my mouth. And? And that's exactly what a baby does when he's taking his spoonful of mush. Well... Huey, that's all the time we have on Turning Tables this week, but I have to ask, all that research, all those clips, where did they even come from? Oh, my personal collection. What? Yeah. After all that? Clark, sometimes a man just wants to relax and listen to something kind of mellow and catchy and not have someone reading his damned high school diary at him, you know? I know, Huey. I know. Jack Donaghy, you are the best. You know what? I'm gonna make you a mixtape. You like Phil Collins? I've got two ears and a heart, don't I? much episode 56 phil collins and all written and read by scott clarkson music by genesis phil collins and garner firebird